0: Blog Talk Radio. Thank you
1: Thank you for tuning in. This is T Love, your host here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am a certified reconnective healing practitioner, sound therapist and positive psychology practitioner with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Our chat room is open, so feel free to join the discussion that's already happening online. We do keep an eye on the chat room, so if you have a question, go ahead and post it, and we'll do our best to get your question on air. As an alternative, for those of you who are on the go, you can't continue to listen online, please call us directly by dialing 347-202-0227, and that way you can listen via phone, or please be sure to use your Bluetooth if you are driving about. Our sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. With Audible.com, you can listen to audio books whenever and wherever you want. And you can get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. That's the important part. In order to get the free book, you need to type in audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. We have a special treat. The Sussex County Chamber of Commerce is proud to announce that it is bringing Disney's Institute back to Sussex County with another exceptional professional development course, Disney's Approach to Leadership Excellence. This is a one-day course that will be offered on Friday, April 17th, at Crystal Springs Resort in Hardiston, New Jersey. You know, Disney does everything right, so we know that this is exceptional. In this one-day course, you will adapt time-tested Disney business insights to assess and improve your organization, identify the personal and organizational values that drive you as a leader to carry out your organization's vision, establish an alignment of personal values and organizational values to enthusiastically support your organization's vision, understand a leader's values-infused role in operationalizing culture building and team support, Develop strategies to sustain your organization's values and vision during turbulent times as well as good times. And build your own personal legacy as a leader. So, you know, employers, send your employees. Employees, do you want to move up the ladder? This is the best way to do so. Disney does it right. We all know that. And you will not receive this high quality of leadership training anywhere else at only $399 per person, which, by the way, is a huge, huge discount. This is a great investment in your future. So register today to join us. You can call the chamber office at 973-579-1811 if you would like more information. And it will be posted on the the site as well, so you can go back and, and check that out. We have a return guest today. His name is Bruce Davis, a globally respected psychologist who has spent the last three decades promoting the inner peace that was the cornerstone of the lives of two saints, Francis and Claire of Assisi. And he and his wife, Ruth, began leading retreats in 1983 and eventually came to open the Assisi Retreat Center, which was called One of the World's Ten Best by both Travel and Leisure Magazine and CNN. And today, they operate Silence Day, a new retreat center on a stunning hillside near Napa, California, where many people go to turn off their electronic tethers for meditation, quiet, and inner exploration. And Bruce is considered one of the world's leading authorities on the gifts of silence and living a simple life. His best-selling books include The Heart of Healing, Monastery Without Walls, My Little Flowers, The Calling of Joy, and the Love Letters, St. Francis and St. Clair of Assisi Meet Pope Francis, which he joined us to speak about last September. Bruce is currently a frequent contributor to Huffington Post, as well as a host of other spiritual and ecological publications, and today we will be discussing another of his books, A Magical Child Within You. Welcome back to the show, Bruce. It's good to have you joining us again here on Energy Awareness Radio. How are you being? I'm great. Excited to be with you again. Yes, it's wonderful to have you back. You know, this book is different from the
0: others,
1: (laughs) and I'm wondering what was it that prompted you to write a book from the perspective of the inner child?
0: Well, it's a great story. I was in graduate school, this was many years ago, and I was looking around me at the teachers, professors, and therapists, and they're all so serious and so uptight, and these are supposed to be healthy people. They just were healthy in a different way, you know. They weren't drug addicts, they were busy addicts. They were um smoking or drinking or thinking or whatever, but they weren't happy people. And huh. so during this time, this was in the nineteen seventies, uh, there was a lot of idea about getting in touch with your feelings and remembering your childhood and expressing your feelings. But nobody was talking about remembering your joy and remembering the playfield child and remembering, uh, you know, just being open and spontaneous and having fun. So I wrote this book called The Magical Child Within You, and it was the very first book on the inner child. These people tell me this. And then later other books came out. There was this idea about as adults that we we can be just too serious all the time and forget about life itself and having fun and joy and um Went out with friends and having pizza and doing all the kinds of things that kids enjoy doing.
1: So, are you still there? I'm right here. Okay. I'm sorry. I, you're going in and out, and I thought I thought I lost you for a moment.
0: No, no, I'm right here. Did you get everything I shared?
1: I think so. And so we—that is what brought about this whole writing of this particular book. Right. Wow. So it took did it it really didn't take that long to write it though. That was an inspiration from the seventies.
0: Right. Well the book was written in the seventies and that sort of changed my whole career that after that it became important to teach people how to get out of our serious, you know, stressed out life and find our hearts again, find our joy. And uh, the magical child within you was like the first big push for me to start that path.
1: And it's too bad that people don't really, you know, do that. It seems as though people are still not finding their joy. They're still not trusting that. I think it's kind of squashed as you go through school and society pushes us into, you know, feeling that we can't tend to ourselves. We can't bring out our own unique, authentic child, which is. What or how we came in, but we lost that because of the pressure of society and parents and teachers and, and the actual coming of age or, or coming into adulthood. It still is being squashed so much. Why, why do you think that is, just for the betterment of, of ourselves?
0: No, no, I think it's a cultural problem that as beginning as little children, they're taught to be intellectual and to perform at too early of an age. And uh, we spent quite a bit of last years in Europe and there it's also the same story. These little children are carrying these great big book bags to school and there's no time for fun and playing and expressing your feelings and being creative. It's more important that they're reading by the age of two, three, or four, they're doing math already and the stress on intellectual development is leaving out heart development. So kids don't really know what they feel. We don't understand what compassion is, forgiveness. We don't understand, um, we don't have what I call heart intelligence. We have intellectual intelligence, but we've lost heart intelligence. And the magical child within you is this whole idea that our inner child, you know, this is our heart intelligence. This is our intuition. This is knowing our feelings. This is trust. This is uh, simplicity. This is spontaneity. You know, all these parts of life there's no education to it anymore. Either you do uh, science and math and you read real well, and now it's all this computer education, and the kids, they lose themselves in the process. And then as adults, we're the wealthiest country in the world, but there's very serious problems with depression, and um, people are taking pills for everything. They can't sleep. They're overweight. They're addicted. And for me, as a psychologist, I think it all goes back to early childhood. The children are not supported to be children, and they grow up way too soon
1: yes, and it 's all after it 's all just to teach them that you know it 's so important to go after that almighty buck and you have to have the intelligence rather than the heart intelligence the brain intelligence in order to do so when in fact, I believe that if you follow your heart and do something that you really feel passionate about you can make a living do that and you'll live a happier life because you'll be more fulfilled. It's all about the the, the purpose, you know, the, the bigger thing instead of just these external life events that provide us with hedonic happiness. It's more the, you know, let's get, let's get things that, what is our involvement in the things that are bigger than we are. And people don't teach that until it's almost too late. I think that there are a lot of people that try to find that, but they're probably 40 or older. Would you agree with that?
0: I think you get it right on the nose. It's exactly the problem. And I'm at the retirement age and I see all kinds of people who want to retire, but they don't know how to retire. They don't know what to do with themselves. You know, they can't just enjoy being, taking a walk, and at our house down in the country the swallows have returned and the turkeys are out. know, there's so much every day just to enjoy being. But I have friends and brothers who are retiring and they don't know what to do, you know, and their self-worth comes from doing and you know, and uh, that paycheck and all these other outward things. And children, they don't need to be entertained all the time. You know, when I got a six-year-old grandchild, they just play, they just are. They're spontaneously going all the time. And most adults who are my age or younger, they don't know what to do with themselves. They need entertainment. And uh, it's a sad statement about our, our society.
1: It is a sad statement because children we have so much to learn from them. They actually live in the moment. They're what we're trying to do when we're saying, "Okay, I'm going to go to a yoga class. Or I'm going to go to a meditation class." We, instead of incorporating it into your day, children will basically just sit there when they're coloring. They're not thinking of anything else except coloring and playing with those colors and how pretty it is and you know it doesn't matter if it stays inside the lines or goes outside the lines. They're just having fun. They're being They are actually being in that moment, and adults don't do that, and then they seek to find it when it's almost too late, when health issues start to come up, and they wonder, well, how can I change these health issues? What do I need to do? Well, you're too stressed, and when you're too stressed, you have that vicious loop cycle going through your head, and you can't stop it and now you can't think because that loop cycle is going, and then you get depressed, and then you're not motivated. So now you can't think and you can't move, and then because of the depression, you really don't care that you can't think and you can't move, and you get nothing accomplished. So I think that when when you're, people start you're, to you're, acquire- you're exactly You're
0: exactly right. Um, recently I wrote a book called The Calling of Joy, and it's the writing of the magical child within you 30 years later. And yeah. I feel though of those that no matter no matter what age we are, there's still a calling of joy, mm-hmm. and we're not going to be fulfilled until we find our joy. And it's not in the big things; it's in the little things that you're just talking about. And no matter if we're sick or well, or where we are in our life, your there, joy is available because joy is inside our hearts. And so, as we begin receiving our own deep gentleness and receiving the peace inside and love, that's why it's important for people. So we learn not have to meditate or at least walk and meditate or have this quality of being that we receive our own heart qualities. And out of that comes joy. And if we're separated from our hearts, no matter how much money we have and how important and how, how you know, successful we are, the more separated from our hearts, the more we're further away from joy.
1: Well, you know, it's funny because I hear people saying, when I tell people, you know, you need to to not do things backwards. You're doing things backwards. And they say, what do you mean? They say, the first thing you should plug into your calendar for the week is all of the mind-body practices that are going to allow you to stay on track. When are you going to meditate? Put that in. When are you going to yoga? Put that in. When are you going to take a walk? Put that in and work everything else around it. If you do that, you will find you will have more time. And people don't believe this until they actually do it. They will not just take your word for it and they will tell you that they can't do it and then they might do it one day and they'll say, Okay, yeah, it worked today, but you know and then they'll forget two days later and then they'll do it again. But once they do it for I'm gonna say maybe like five to ten days, they're in the swing of it. And even though, you know, it takes a lot longer than that and it takes what, twenty one days to form a habit, they realize that I do have more time and they are able to be more in the moment and get more done and they'll see that the money that they're so desperately seeking does come in. Do you find that as well?
0: Yeah, but we plan it to happen in three or four days. When, and this is what we're doing now. When people come to us, we give them this heart practice um, just to concentrate on doing it many times for three or four days. We find people totally changed. And the heart practice is basically this, to let go of everything we're carrying, just to offer, do the best you can. Just like taking an apple out of your heart and, it. and the second part of the practice is going deep into your heart and receiving your deep gentleness. The so listen for the deep calm inside. And the practice receiving more and more of the heart that is inside our heart. And if people do that several times during the day, we so will find just after two or three days, they feel totally different. And about half mm-hmm. the people who come to us have never meditated, have never been on a retreat they've never been in therapy, and they find that, wow, I just feel really different. And that's after 30, 40 years of being in this field that we found all people need, some nature, peace and quiet, and to do this heart practice. Because otherwise, it's just out of habit. People are thinking all the time. And they're always thinking, worrying, desiring, thinking, worrying, desiring, and it's just a loop. So you can't think and offer at the same time. And you can't think and receive your own deep heart at the same time. So, again, when you find yourself thinking, just go back to the exercise. And in three or four days, people feel different. They say, wow, it's not so complicated. And once we feel the depths of our own heart, then everything begins changing in our lives.
1: And we see that we're able to not be as reactive. We can give more. We have more time. It's funny that, you know, things as simple as that will help people to get to that point. But it takes them a while to get there. And sometimes I don't know if it's skepticism or if it's embarrassment because they think, well, I'm not going to do that. Nobody else is doing it. It's kind of, it sounds kind of crazy. You know, I've had that reaction from people as well.
0: It's becoming more popular. We were on the front page of the Wall Street Journal on January 1st. And there was oh, an cool. article about, yeah, it was cool. It was an article. We have a retreat center in Assisi, Italy, and one here. And it was an article about it's now time to learn to detox, you know, this idea of become digitalized, to let go of all of our gadgets for a few hours. And so when they are talking about it on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, pretty soon everybody's going to really realize that, this addiction to entertainment and being connected is not healthy, and it doesn't make us happy.
1: Yeah, I I have had I was the other day I was with a couple of people that were well I'm so busy this and I'm so busy that and and I was watching them talk and they looked at me and said what and I said well, I, I don't know who's the winner and they said what do you mean I, I'm busier than she is and she's busier than I am what about you and I said this is not a competition that I would want to be a part of and I certainly wouldn't want to win it's not in the you know in the accumulation of stress that you win. It's in the management of it that you win. You guys are not winning. You're both losers. And they did not like that. But it was so true. I was laughing because what I was seeing was who could beat who at being the most stressed, and they were actually getting stressed about it. It's amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, but the, the problem is that our world has become so mental that uh, mm-hmm. people don't even know what it is to be heartfully present. And in this mental world, even if you're just busy or stressed or whatever you call it, when we live only in this mental world, ultimately it's very empty, it's frustrating, it's anxiety-giving, it's boring, It's uh, and most important, it's alienating. We're alienated from each other because we're alienated from our own hearts. No, we're not connecting, we're not connecting. And part of the problem is all the internet in between, but the bigger part of the problem is that if we're not connected to our own hearts, our own feelings, our own joy, how do we connect to each other? And so it's, 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 the problem is much bigger now than it was when I wrote The Magical Child Within um, Me. Mm. Because now all the technology and everything else has separated. us more in this mental world where we're separated from our hearts.
1: Yeah, that's true. And it's I was reading an article the other day about the millennials. So those are the people in their 20s right now who are coming up and everything is technology-based and they don't really want to talk on the phone to anyone. They just want information so they make, can make a decision. It's almost like it's becoming a robotic society. And that's really sad because they do not know how to interact well with one another. Yet they will tell you they do. And in talking with some of these people, you know, they're young and they have a lot to offer, but they really don't know how to carry a conversation well because they're constantly texting and they are never doing, they don't believe in the face-to-face. They don't think that that's important. And, and that's just as scary to me. How can you not think the face-to-face is important? How do you, how do you not connect on an emotional level? How do you connect on an emotional level? You can't put that through an email or a text. It's, it's virtually impossible.
0: Yeah, you're very right. It's very scary because when they say they don't connect face-to-face, it means they don't connect to their own face or their own heart. Yeah. You know, they're not connected with their own deep feelings, and they don't have inner peace. Because if you have inner peace, you enjoy connecting with one another. You enjoy connecting with nature. It's much more interesting than connecting to a text or an email. I mean, that's nothing. And so it's very scary. There's a whole generation... That's connecting through, you know, the abstraction through words, and not by being together. Um, who knows where this is all leading? I don't know.
1: It's it's almost like living very stoically. You can't you can't have emotions when you're like that. You you put your emotions aside. It seems to me it's almost as if they weren't allowed to have emotions because the need to be successful and to be further ahead than anyone else by getting the education and learning the latest in technology takes all that away you know and people who are even adults and are learning or are able to do the texting thing and and Facebook and all the social media whatever I don't belong to any of it to be honest with you (laughs) it's it's difficult because you can't get the the correct intonation when things are being said and it's it's almost hard unless you really know the person, this is how they speak, and how do you know the person if you're never face-to-face with them. And I have friends who really make an effort to do the face-to-face thing, to make the phone call, to be face-to-face, to catch up. And then there are other ones who just every once in a while you hear from a couple times a year via um, email because I don't text either. So to me, I'm like people are constantly saying, T, you've got to get with the program. You need to get it, you know um, a magic phone is what I call it. And I'm like, I don't need a magic phone. I, I don't want one. I don't need one. I'm completely refusing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so we're on the same boat here. We don't have a smartphone, We just have a normal little phone. But, you know, it's beginning to change a little bit. We just had a man from Apple computers spend 40 days with us. We had some people from Twitter, from, uh, Yahoo, uh, a bunch of, because we live out here in San Francisco, we've had a bunch of technical people coming out here and uh, said, wow, you know, because we had several people from Google who said that no, they teach meditation at Google, but it's not what you're doing. You know, mm-hmm. Most of the meditation still in the corporate role is this mental watching your thoughts, which is a good start because it teaches you to be present and to not be so busy mentally. That's only the first step. The next step in meditation is going deep inside and receiving our hearts and feeling what is in my heart. Who am I? What's true for me? And so we've had a lot of tech people coming lately, and it's heartening because, uh, first, they really love it, and, two, they say, wow, this is the next step. The tech people really need to have this with them or it's not going to continue. There's something big that's missing. So we're feeling encouraged lately.
1: Well, and I'm sure with those, with the people in those industries, you know, in those companies, they work in the high tech industry and for them, once they realize that through meditation, you're reducing stress, which is allowing you to, you know, problem solve a lot easier so that you're not uh, getting rid of that, breaking that circuit that allows you to problem solve when you're stressed out, they can be way more creative when you meditate. Your creativity just flows when you do that once or twice a day. And I'm sure they're going to, going to find that. They'll probably be sending all of their you know, their staff to you. You'll be doing really well this year.
0: <laughs> well, we hope so. It hasn't spread like that so far. It's just a few, you know, managers have come and a few people. So we'll see what happens. But you're exactly right, that we lose our creativity when our minds are set with all these things that we're doing. And so when we meditate and find a gentleness within our heart, we find our source of inspiration again. You know, we find an openness. We become available. Um, This is our inner child. You know, children are creating all the time. They're just doing. They're being. They're having fun. They're running around. You know, that energy is always inside of us. But if it's stuffed down with too much busyness and too much thinking, then people lose it. And so hopefully with people like you and the show you're doing and the work you're doing and others, um, sooner or later in life, everybody realizes, hey, there's something missing. You know, a parent is dying, or somebody has lost their job, or a relationship's not working out. Sooner or later, life brings us back to life, and so one way or another, we're all forced to get back to our hearts and find out which true for me. What am I doing? Because life is about six minutes long. You know, mm-hmm. I can't believe I'm retiring almost. I still feel like I'm 24, sitting on the floor and meditating, leading groups like they did many years ago.
1: But isn't it a shame that it takes usually some kind of life-changing event, some life-altering thing, the death of a spouse or a sibling or uh, a parent or the loss of a job, something challenging to get people to realize, oh, there's more to life. When, in fact, if you look at children, and children now, they're going to school at like three years old. I mean, I, I don't think they're allowed to be children At all, really, because once they start going to what is it like pre I don't even know because I don't have kids like preschool and then kindergarten and then first grade. But there's nursery school first or something. They, They are constantly in from, you know, mom and dad at six months old to daycare to all of these things. And they're doing things, but they're required to do things so that they can be smarter. Even people who listen to those Mozart tapes, you know, while they're pregnant. like, really? Can you let the kid grow? Because it's been proven that that really doesn't work. (laughs) And, you know, but people want so much for their kids to be the smartest and the best when in actuality, don't you just want your kid to be your kid? Don't you just want your child to be happy instead of forcing all this on them? And I have people who come in and they'll say, you know, they want to sit in the room while the child is in the room and I'm working with the child. And then as soon as the parent leaves... I tell the child, you know, okay, this is like Vegas. I I won't say anything. What's going on? Is your mom this or is your dad that? And they'll say, yeah. And I'll think, yep, there we go. You know, they're pushing them. You have to be a ballerina. You have to also take this, this, and this, and the kids don't have time for academics. Or they're being pushed to academics and they have no time for fun. And that would be like being in a job that you absolutely hated and there was no fun part to the job. Because every job should have a fun part. You need to have the icky stuff, too. But you need to have the fun part, or you will not thrive. And I look at this, and I see children, and I think it's no wonder we have kids that are doing strange things when they're 16 to 25 years old. It's no wonder we're doing it, and yet parents will not accept the fact that it's because of all the pressure that the kids are snapping at a young age. And and I really believe that's what it is. What's your take on that?
0: I think you're totally right. You know, We have a friend that teaches at MIT, and he tells us how emotionally distraught and out of balance the kids are there. And nobody talks about this. I don't think there's any studies on it. It would be very interesting to do a study on the mental health of kids at Ivy these schools. All the pressure and everything it took to get them there. They need to be smart, but how the are their hearts? How emotionally balanced they are? What are their relationships like? And what I've heard, because I, uh, I have a brother also who's connected to these schools, a lot of them are emotionally destroyed. Yeah, and uh, and they think that's normal and it's sick it's really it's, as a psychologist I would call it sickness and yeah. uh, kids are being forced to grow up instead of forced to be themselves because if you can't learn to listen inside and say well should I go and learn ballet or should I just play with my friends at the park I said darling what do you feel what's the right decision for you you, know? you want to wait another year before you do ballet I said, no no my friend is doing it I'll do it now but Going through that process of trusting your heart, listening to their heart, having understanding about yourself, that is emotional health. And these days when they're being told to grow up and be bigger, faster, smarter, everything but themselves, that's a a ticket for um, pills for depression when they get older. It's a ticket for divorce, for alienation, for all kinds of illnesses. And um, you're totally right. It's a big cultural problem. And hopefully there's a few voices in our world that are still telling people this is not right. Another really interesting part of this whole thing now is all the books that are coming out and stories of people who are having near-death experiences um, and their experience of the other side, because I think this is related to it. When they get to the other side, these people are telling incredible stories about the joy and the love and the intimacy, and they have a whole different picture of themselves, and what life is about, hopefully this also has a big influence on our culture. Because until now, people think death was the end, or you're a sinner, you're gonna to go to hell, or you know, there's all this miserable energy around death. And so people operate with a lot of fear. And now with all these stories and people's um, love and intimacy and joy that they're finding on the other side, maybe it will tell people remind them that joy is also, also important on this side. And love and intimacy and acceptance and humility and I think the biggest thing from these stories of near death experiences is we really don't have to judge ourselves and each other. We're so intense in our judgments at who is right and who is wrong and you know instead of like just being loving and more accepting and tolerant. Um, so I'm optimistic about all these best selling books and all these stories that are coming out.
1: It's very true, and I think, you know, the funny part is there are some people out there who are, I see them who, and they'll say, you know, to their child, well, what do you want to do? Well, you don't have to do anything, you know, you, you can do this, you can do that. What do you want to do? Here's the choice. And they allow them to choose. And other people will look at that and they start to judge it and say, you know, you shouldn't do that. You should make them do these things so they can choose wisely. They're children. Can't they just be children and play? I mean, who did that to you when you were a kid? You know, and but people don't think like that. They just, And they always say, I just want better for my child. Yes, you do, but what happens when you have that child under your thumb and under so much pressure, and then they graduate from high school and two months later they're going off to college? Now what happens in college? I'd like to see what the suicide rate is for a kid's first year in college under all the pressure and leaving and, and then wreaking havoc. I'd like to see, you know, um, uh, different studies done on just exactly what it is that how, what the mental behavior issues are and how many people are in therapy now as opposed to before. And I believe and I may be wrong on this, but I believe the millennials, it's the first generation where their life expectancy is the, is going down. It's not as high as it is for others because of the uh, everything that's out there and the stress that's out there, it's actually their expectancy is, is less than what the norm is to, say, uh, people who are now between, like, 40 and 60.
0: Yeah, it's a quality being. I work with a lot of families, and I always tell the parents, the most important thing we can do with our children is to receive their deeply. Not just to listen, and when we have a meal together, just to receive who they are. Because otherwise we're always talking at each other and telling each other. And love really is receiving the other person. You know, mm-hmm. and their beauty, their voice, their, you know, all their essence, all who they are, that's beautiful. And so kids lose themselves because nobody receives them. You know, the perfect mother is the one who just loves them and hugs them and say, you know, whatever you do today, I love you completely. You have know, this feeling of being totally received and accepted. And it turns out that's how people experience God when they go deep in their hearts or if they die from a heart attack and are brought back from the other side. God was this incredible accepting love without judgment. Well, I think that's what we have to give each other, is to really receive your partner. You know, a lot of people say, I don't know if I should break up with him or what am I going to do and da-da-da. I say, I don't know what you're going to do, but I know meanwhile just practice just receiving who he is. You know, on every level, not just what he does, but we see his easy parts, his challenges, everything. Just really feel him as a human being, as a divine human being. And then the relationship begins to change if we really receive each other. And in our culture, it's more important what are we going to do today, not just how we're going to be today and just experience life today. And so... um, they're really clear, and it's you know, it's not telling each other what to do, and it's not the opposite of having no limits at all. Those are really not the issues. The issues are the receiving to each other, giving to each other, um, understanding each other. You know, it's having a heart with one another. And mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, heart intelligence is not taught in the churches. It's not taught in schools. There's a few people like you who are talking about it on the air. And where are the kids, where are the rest of us, they learn about heart intelligence? It's not really, it's not really hard, but hardly anywhere.
1: And I don't think they learn how to trust their gut instinct, you know, that inner guidance that we have. And so, therefore, if they don't trust that because they haven't learned how to, you know, go in and listen, they don't know what's right. So sometimes they'll think, well, okay, I want to do this, but is it just my desire or is this actually my inner guidance? It takes a while for them to learn the difference between the two. Do you know what I mean?
0: Exactly. So we Google for the answer instead of going into our hearts and sitting with it for a day or two. And usually there's no simple answer because, okay, life is not about what we do. Life is about who we are. So maybe ultimately it doesn't really matter that much if I take this job or that job. It matters about how I feel in this job or that job. Is it a giving place? Is it a nurturing place? Can I express my talents? Or am I, or am I in a box with no expression of who I am? No, these are the issues. And it's not so much in the paycheck or what the office looks like, but it's much more into the community and the feeling there. That's why, in some ways, Silicon Valley and Google, these places are getting it right. They're making places, rooms for silence. They're uh, making uh, places for community. You know, I work for the Huffington Post. I write for them every week almost. And uh, they have nap rooms. In the middle of the day, instead of going to drink more coffee, they go take a nap. And uh, the head of the Huffington Society in Huffington, she has her own nap room. She takes a nap. You know, it's a different way of looking at life. And uh, hopefully this will spread.
1: I think it will. I think a lot of people now are, and maybe it's just because they're at that point in their life between, you know, 40 and whatever, are starting to take more yoga classes. They're starting to go and learn how to meditate. They're going to more retreats. They're realizing that there are things they need to do to feel better about themselves because of the fact that they have so much stress at work. But one of the things that's still lacking is is the judgment factor, you know. And I was trying to explain to one group of people that when you're judging someone, you're actually judging yourself. So just remember, you know, like Carl Jung said, the, the irritations in others are what a, um, it lead us to an understanding of ourselves. And when you're judging someone, you're it's a mirror. You're looking at them and you're seeing yourself, what you may not like in them. So instead of judging them or comparing yourself to them, let's get rid of the judgment add a little discernment and find the admiration. And one woman said to me, but I don't admire that person. I said, I'm not talking about that person. I'm talking about you. (laughs) You need to get rid of the judgment when you compare yourself to someone else, add discernment for yourself and find admiration for your own being. And then only then will you be able to look at other people and cut them some slack because you're really kind of harsh on other people. If she didn't, Really like that, but a few weeks later she got it. She actually got it, and and I was I was very proud of her.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of times we judge another person, and we're just looking at a certain part of them instead of looking at the bigger picture and seeing the other parts of them, having some understanding why they probably do this. You know, most of us we get these ways because of our parents and their parents and the education we had. You know, they really don't know. You know they may not be the way we would like to be, but it's better to have a bigger picture and a bigger understanding. And when we judge them, what we're doing is pushing them away, you know, mm. ourselves away. Exactly. We're very clear on that. I think judgment is one of the biggest problems in our culture, and particularly no, I do too. the way we judge ourselves. You know, not yeah. Not only each other, but how much we judge ourselves. know I'm no good. I'm not a success. And I haven't made a bestseller. So, I haven't done this. And these things really are not important.
1: I mean, right, and that's because Yeah, mm-hmm. you
0: know, we work our entire life for ten minutes of success, whatever that means, and that uh, ultimately yeah. it's pretty empty. Yeah,
1: you know, that's really kind of, sad.
0: And you, it's very interesting when you talk about learning how to trust. I don't think that people have any idea the process of where the trust comes from. I mean, you don't just suddenly trust. It's something that grows over years that. I just trust my feelings that this is a good relationship for me or this is a good way of education or job for me. But trust is something that grows slowly inside and comes as part of our heart. It's an actual muscle of the heart. I trust this or I don't trust this. It's really good to know this muscle. I don't trust this. It sounds good, but it doesn't feel right to me. Or I don't know if it sounds right, but somehow inside me, I trust this. I'm going to go with it. You know, this is a very beautiful, important muscle. This muscle of trust. And it's not developed in our culture. We don't talk about it. We don't think about it. We don't even know. You can't Google it. You got to develop ourselves. And um, it's very important. And it's another part of heart intelligence. And if you don't have this heart intelligence, how do you know to trust that this deal is real or not? Or this job is going to be go someplace? Or this relationship is good for me or not? You never know because everybody has the right words these days. But what's behind those words? What's underneath it? And if you don't have your sense of feeling of trust, it's sort of like a filter. I don't know. It's like just an openness. It's a strength inside of truth. If you don't feel your own truth, how do you know if it's true outside of you? And a lot of people, they don't know.
1: Right. They don't know because it was never taught to them because they didn't have the opportunity because everything was being shoved down their throat to do this and do this and do this, so they didn't have that that option.
0: Yeah, exactly. If you're told what to do, then you can find some partner who tells you what to do. And then that's right. why you're going to be hurt and upset because I'm in a relationship that doesn't listen to me, doesn't honor me. Well, I wonder why. Because you're just right. continuing the old pattern that you learned early on. And a lot There's of a people resentment. get involved in relationships, yeah, they resent them and they get involved with it. not healthy, because they don't have their own sense of inner health. You know, their own sense of this is my truth. And when you know your truth, then right away in a relationship, you know that you know you're a great person, but this just isn't right for me. You know, you don't need to wait three years, six years, or ten years down the line to realize that this person's not healthy for you.
1: And I think sometimes people just get to that point of overwhelm because they weren't able to figure anything out along the way and it just built up and builds up and builds up and now they're in this, this state of complete and total overwhelm and they really can't function. And to try to have them, you know, well, you have to trust. What does that even mean? I'm so overwhelmed. I don't even know what that means. I trust nothing anymore. And it may not be that they weren't taught, but they just took on so much, it's difficult for them to come back from that state. Do you agree?
0: Yeah, i tell you a great story about that. We had a guy fly out suddenly from Arkansas a year or two ago. he never done a retreat. He'd never been in therapy. He never did anything. And he was a tech guy. He says, I'm on the computer 18 hours a day. And then huh. but recently my wife has left me. I've lost my job. I have no idea what to do. I found you guys on in the internet, and I thought I'd just fly in and do a silent retreat. I've been silent in my entire life for more than an hour or so. And so he arrived, and the first hour or two, he looked around and said, "My God, what am I doing here? And he went <laughs> shopping, and I didn't hear the story for a couple of days later, because people bring their own food and make their meals and stuff. He said, I, a couple of days later, I met him and an ad, so how do you do it? He said, well, I'm going to tell you this truth. When I went shopping, I bought a bottle of scotch. Because I wasn't quite sure how I was going to get out of here. And when I got back to your place, I got on my little telephone, oh, my cell phone, you know, when I was supposed and I was really trying to find the quickest flight out of because out, I had no idea what am I doing here, like What am I going to do? And then that first thing I took a walk, and I saw this hawk flying in the air. And I watched him for a while. And I remember as a kid walking in the woods with my father, it was really a nice time, you know, just walking in the woods and watching the animals and the nature. And he so said, then my retreat started. And just ever since then, I've been taking walks every day and doing the meditation of feeling my heart and just enjoying nature. And then as he left, he handed me the bottle of scotch and said, I didn't need it. I'm okay. And it was just a funny story. You know, it's never too late. And this guy was totally connected 18 hours a day and took life totally self-destructive. But it just took signing a retreat and finding a hot find and remembering another part of it. And then we all have this somewhere. You know, otherwise, we wouldn't be alive. And uh, right. he found his joy. And he said, you know, I'm really grateful that I just jumped on that plane and came here, even though when I got here, I got suddenly totally naked and really crazy. But I realized that uh, a part of me can fly just like that hawk. I'm okay. I'll be okay. And so fortunately, no matter how overwhelmed we are, there's a part of us that is still okay. And uh, that that part of us is in our hearts. And our heart is not that far away, even though it seems like it's totally buried and it's like a thousand miles away. It's not that far away.
1: That's a great story because... I I find that a lot more women are accepting of doing these types of mind-body practices than men. Men want to be macho, and, of course, they're not going to meditate, and they kind of poo-poo all the ideas and everything. Um, when I do Crystal Bowl concerts, it's always a higher ratio of women than it is men. And, it, it, you know, people, they don't want to show that they need to relax or wind down but i'm also seeing that it's changing with every any kind of conference or anything i go to i'm seeing just a few more men and i'm talking high level guys like attorneys and doctors and big wigs at corporations ceos and presidents of companies these are the people that are finally getting it, and hopefully that will trickle down to the rest of the companies. I mean, Google and, and Microsoft and the companies that you're working with, they're relatively young people that are there. But some of the people who are older, you know, in, in the upper management, once they get it and it works for them, they will bring it into their companies and it, because a lot of companies right now are doing a lot of wellness coaching. And I've noticed that, too, through the Human Resources Department, which is great. So I think the word is getting out there more and more. Are you seeing an increase in that as well?
0: Yeah, in the past, it would be like 95% women and 5% men. And it is changing. We have a lot of people flying up from Los Angeles and some people from the East Coast. And a lot of them are men now, and they're in their 50s or 60s, and they're realizing that all the success in the world is not really helping them. That they want to make another step in their lives, and that step is really a step inside and find some space for their own hearts. And they find that there's a deep feeling inside of them that's much more exciting and interesting and adventure than making another trip or buying another company or doing some new project. That there's a project of discovering this vastness within the heart. I call it the spiritual journey. There's this whole thing now of spirituality. Without religion, you know, it's really the spirituality of the heart, in each other's heart, and doing service. And that's a whole new world that more and more people, men and women, are discovering. Discovering our own spirituality of the heart and finding service which is so fulfilling. And hopefully that will grow. Because you're right, and it's I, been mostly women for
1: many years. Well, I think it will. with With your retreats and with the books that you've written and this book, The Magical Child Within You, which will help to foster all that, All of these things will help to bring people more toward that vein where they can actually, you know, have a really nice purposeful life that where the money will come, but they won't be so stressed and they'll be more relaxed and they'll be able to really be with their inner child. I can't believe this, Bruce, but we're almost out of time. We're at the top of the hour. But before we go, would you please tell our listeners how they can learn more about you and all that you do and where they may purchase your book, The Magical Child Within You?
0: You can find out all about our retreats and our books from one website. It's called silentstay.com, S-I-L-E-N-T-S-T-A-Y, silentstay.com. And our retreats are there, our books are there, and we really enjoy hearing from people. Just write us and tell us what you think and what you're doing and where's your joy. And the magical Mm -hmm. child within you is one book, and then the book 30 years later, what is the magical child today? It's called The Calling of Joy. And all these books can be found on our website, com.
1: That's just great. Thank you so much for joining us again. I very much appreciate you sharing your time with all of us here at Energy Awareness Radio, especially coming back after only being here in September. But we really appreciate it. You have so much to offer. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's great
0: to talk to you. You're doing great work, and I appreciate you being with you. Thanks a lot. Wow.
1: Thank you. So listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do, to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we're meant to live, productively, healthfully, and purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. And once again, Disney Institute is coming to Sussex County. So for those of you who are interested in leadership excellence, Disney is the one who knows how to do it best huge, huge discount. This is like 60% off their regular price. It's 3.99 per person. This is a huge discount. So it's a great investment in your future. Register today. You can call their offices at 973-579-1811 if you want more information and it will be posted on the site. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You'll find an archived list of past shows, a lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting, including upcoming Crystal Singing Bowl concerts. And if you're in the area and you can't make a concert, you can order one of my CDs, Imagine, which is the healing music of Quartz Crystal Singing Bowls, or The Healing Sounds of Christmas, which is the healing music of my Quartz Crystal Harp. Both the CDs are available on my site as well. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRGAwareRadio. That's at NRGAwareRadio. I am your host, T. Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well.
0: I got a on my head. I, I got a When I remember